The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service. Nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Pitch in an Elevator, Taking It Up When You're Going Down. And this is all a workshop on working with your elevator pitch. And I'm going to go ahead and let Brooke Jostad is one of our employment committee chairs. And I'm going to go ahead and let her talk for a few minutes about what the employment does, committee does and what we're doing here today. Hello there. My name is Brooke Jostad. I'm the employment committee co-chair. Here at the Employment Committee, we provide resources on finding employment, attaining employment, and we our latest contribution to the employment world is a podcast that we um, run called Let's Get to Work, and you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. But today, um, again, that's called Let's Get to Work, um, and it provides stories for people who are employed in a very wide variety of employment fields. So our committee is here to support you with your employment needs um, and to offer support for finding meaningful, gainful employment, not just something that gets you to work, but something you want to do for work. And today we're doing an elevator pitch presentation to that effect. The idea isn't, isn't necessarily that you'll need to do it specifically in an elevator, <laughs> although you could find yourself in that, but that it's um, basically being able to talk about yourself in 30 seconds or less, what you do, who you are, what you offer, because in networking events, you find yourself meeting with people and needing to essentially sell yourself, pitch yourself, who you are, what you offer. This is, I like to kind of consider this a verbal resume, um, so that's what we're here today to talk about. And we'll give you some tips on how to do that. And then we're going to break you up into groups and have you actually practice that skill because there's no use in having a skill if you just hear about it and you don't practice. If you're learning how to drive but never got into a car, you're not going to pass the test. So we'll talk about that, um, give you some tips on the, on the elevator pitch and go from there. I want to offer... The, a chance for my co-chair, Peter, to say anything he'd like to as well. Thank you, Brooke. I uh, hope you all guys can hear me. Um, I am the co-chair, as Brooke said, of the Employment Committee. And I was thinking about the elevator pitch uh, and what the goal is. And basically, the goal is, um, when it comes down to it, to, to make pe people a little more curious about who you are while making yourself look good. So you want to you find a situation where you look good and make whoever's listening to you want to learn more about you. So there's, I think there's a curiosity factor as well. So we'll talk more about that as we go along. And I hope you all find this uh, session worthwhile. Hi, so what it is an elevator pitch. Carrie, do you want to start us off on some ideas or would you like me to start with that? Actually, I was going to let Mel start us off on it. Perfect. <laughs> Mel, go all for right. it. Hi guys, this is Melanie Sanoe. So I'm on the employment committee with um, Brooke, Carrie, and Peter, and a few others. Um, I am also part of ACB Next Generation, who is um, also sponsoring this event. Um, but you know, in talking about that elevator pitch, I think um, Peter hit the nail on the head. Right? You want to make yourself look really good, but you want to make them get them engaged. Um, so you know, we were just actually talking about. Sometimes it's easier to say what not to do. Um, and we were just talking about, you know, what, what isn't a good elevator pitch and it's that elevator pitch. It's that that's too personal, right? It's your four kids and your six dogs and you're just your recent trip to Jamaica and the fact that you went to the baseball game last night and you had a turkey sandwich for dinner. Not that interesting um, to the average person, whereas you might think it is. So it's making sure that what you're talking about is relevant to your audience, but also not those kind of mundane details um, that are your everyday things, but you want to pick those highlights, right? Almost like that outline you wrote in, in high school, right? What are those, what are those pinpoints? What, just like your resume, what are those little nuggets that you want them to know and that you want them to grasp onto and ask for more? So think about that when you're starting to think about what makes you tick, 
what makes you relevant, what makes you marketable, what are those little tidbits that, those nuggets, those little golden nuggets that you want them to know and pick on? And I would say, um, you know, a lot of times we're wondering, um, you know, really think of that audience. So when you're looking for work, especially, you know, you just don't want to um, show up in your groungy clothes either. You know, you want to look at that. So when you are doing all stages of job search, you need to make sure and be professional and look the part because it's not going to do any good if you're walking into a building and you meet the, the president or the CEO of the company and you're just came from, you know, tilling the garden or something (laughs) may not be the best impression, but, um, you know, and a lot of people, why is it even called an elevator pitch? Because it's the amount of time you may have if you got in an elevator with somebody. And so normally that's 30 seconds to two minutes. Um, but the short and just, um, being able to engage is really important. So, and another use of this, I just say is a big use is on the, you know, standard interview questions, one of the first ones they always ask is, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, that question is your elevator pitch. So it's a very useful tool when you're job searching. Brooke, do you have anything to add to that? No, I think you guys covered it. The only other thing I would say is you want to think if there's any specific words you want to make sure are in there. So for me, I am a mental health therapist. So think of the couple buzzwords that you want to make sure you add. That would be the only thing. So we talked a lot about what not to say things, you know, making it relevant, making it quick, make sure that you've identified what are the things you want them to walk away having heard and make sure those are emphasized as well. And something I just thought about too, and that this happened to me here at convention, which is what made me think of it. I was wearing a shirt that this woman complimented me on and it started our conversation. So think about, and sometimes you don't know how to react. You're like, oh, well, thank you. But sometimes that's your intro to say, oh, hey, yeah, I'm Melanie and blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, And so think about because in that sighted world, they're looking at your jewelry, they're looking at your bag, they're looking at your, your detailed, um, you know, lace on your shirt. And sometimes that's how people just generally kind of start that conversation. So kind of be mindful of that too, because sometimes that's a real easy win to, to get in the front door, to get in the elevator, to give your pitch. I want to uh, push back a little bit on something that Mel said. Uh, and that has to do with, uh, with, with the concept is not only do you want to be able to, to talk about who you are, your strengths, some of your experiences, you also want to tailor it to your, to your audience. So Brooke was talking about things not to say. Well, if, if, uh, one of the, if, I, if I happen to be with folks who are in the travel agency business, uh, I might say, as part of my pitch, I recently came back from Jamaica because that might raise their interest. Maybe they might hire me because of my experience in, in Jamaica or something. Stranger things have happened. So tailor the, the another challenge is to tell your pitch to the audience you're 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 with or the person you're with or or whatever. And you know there there and just so you guys know there are kind of uh, three basic components when you're doing an elevator pitch. Like the first little piece is introducing yourself. And then you, you want to, then this, the middle part is those key points, like they were mentioning. Um, and then at the end is kind of an ask. So you might say, hey, I'm Carrie Muth, you know, um, have a bachelor's degree in business management. I'm a strong organizer, work as a job developer for the last six years. And I'm really looking for an opportunity to use my skills and gain new ones. And, you know, was wondering what type of opportunities are in your company or something similar to that. See, I don't make these up very well off the top of my head. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we're here, right, guys, to practice. And I think, too, a lot of people have a hard time talking about themselves. You just naturally, if you're not good at talking about yourself, you, you, you step over yourself and you end up either not doing it at all or fumbling through it and you don't get to portray the real you. So if you can almost have that elevator pitch, I don't want to say memorize because you want it, like Peter said, you want to tweak it. But if you have that stuff and you're comfortable, then it just rolls off your tongue at that point. 
Um, hey, Monica, how many people are on Zoom right now? We have 17 in Zoom, but because we're in webinar, I won't be able to do any kind of breakouts. Okay, that's okay. What we can do is have two people volunteer and get unmuted and they can kind of, so have everyone kind of think in their heads. Is there anyone live right now in the room? We have six in the room. Okay. So we can mute um, you guys and have you guys practice with those six. And then those of us in the webinar, we can have a couple volunteers unmute and kind of practice them live while the rest of you who are waiting to be unmuted can kind of practice actually, in your actually, head. Because you're live, we need to keep your room unmuted because it is being streamed. Okay, so we all have to, so, so you know what we could maybe do is ask for um, questions first to see if anybody has any questions about that you might be able to answer and then maybe have the audience members think about ideas and we'll have some brave souls volunteer to give us a pitch and we could kind of give you ideas for improvement. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. So what? So why don't we, so we want to start with the room, any questions? Otherwise we'll do some brave soul volunteering. Some examples, somebody asked for some examples. Peter, do you want to go for it? Do you want to do an example? Sure. So um, often what happens in these situations is somebody says, well, you know, hi, uh, I'm so-and-so, who are you and what do you do? Right. Sort of a standard question. And when I almost when I regularly say it, my, my basic response is, hi, my name is Peter and I tutor student athletes attending the University of Missouri. And that's all I say. And that often interests them. Oh, really? Still, you know, uh, student athletes. How, how what's that like? How do you do it? What do you tutor? And that's just a good way to get people. You know, it tells a bit about what you do. It takes away from the blindness piece. And it, it, it piques curiosity. So sometimes that's all you need to say. I'm so-and-so, and, -so and I, this, this is what I do. Or if you're a student, you might say, hi, I'm so-and-so. I'm majoring in this. Uh, I, you know, I, and, I, and you know, this, this is my, what, what I want to do from it. You know, so it depends on the circumstances. But um, the, the thing is you want to be as brief as you can and just pique curiosity and do say something that's relevant to whatever the conversation is that um, – so that, so that um, you, you know, you, people are interested in what you have to say. Another thing I often say is uh, people say, well, you know, tell me a little about yourself. What I often say is I've spent the past 30 years um, getting people of diverse backgrounds and experiences to work together to accomplish something cool or something productive or something, whatever. Oh, really? You know, give, give, you know say more about that. People are interested in getting people to talk across those boundaries. And so that's what I often Say, that's all I say. I don't say much more than that. Now, if I'm in a job interview, um, I might say a little more about that. I might talk about some of the examples that I've done very, very briefly um, that, that's germane to the job. So, for example, um, uh, recently I had an interview for a job as a project manager. And they asked me, um, well, uh, give me an example of a project you recently managed and how it went. So I talked about the, I'm in charge of, of, of organizing and producing the Friends in Art Showcase. You know, that's a, that's a big deal for ACB, but of course people don't know what Friends in Art is or Showcase. So I, I, what I said was I organize um, a talent show for a major national convention um, uh, of, of a membership of around 1,500 people. Uh, the event was, was a great success uh, and uh, we look doing, we're, and we'll do more of it next year or some, something like that. Just enough to pique the interest. And then they ask me for more questions. Well, what, what did you do? How, what was the, what did you have to do? You know, and so on and so forth. But I just said enough to, to get the, my goal was to say enough. So, so that the interviewer in this case could say, oh, say more about that. So I, I, I what I've learned over the years is to say, say, don't say everything. Just say enough so that people want to hear more. So, so I can give you guys an example. Um, I took a new position this last February, and it's actually working at a community college, helping students connect with vocational rehabilitation and navigate the community college environment. And so 
my tell me about yourself um, question, my elevator pitch was, hi, I'm Carrie Muth. I really enjoy working with people with disabilities and see them reach their goals. I've been working the last six years as a job developer, helping people with all different disabilities find jobs, and I'm really looking for new challenges and really enjoy the college environment, and I'm excited and really hope to be able to come aboard here at this college. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, who am I? What have I been doing? You know, what's one of the things I've been working on and kind of, you know, what some of my direction is. So, so Brooke, what was one of the first jobs you've done? One of the first jobs I did was a personal care assistant for. Okay, okay. So, so Brooke, why don't you give us an elevator pitch for that job? Tell me about yourself, you know, if you're going after that job. Yeah. So my name is Brooke Jostad. I'm a social worker and I have had a good amount of experience in caring for individuals personal needs i am interested in this position because i have a passion for helping people with disabilities meet their needs independently and providing a sufficient amount of service to help them meet needs independently i'm happy to answer any questions you have i really like how you ended that too because that just kind of threw their ball back in their place so so, Mel, what was one of your first jobs? Oh, I've had too many, but I'll give you my, my current one because no one knows what my title means. <laughs> so my title, so, and I've had to do this all weekend already, which is, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm a process engineer. Well, what the heck is a process engineer? Um, so I talk to customers and I talk to employees about a process or a transaction and I find out what they like about it and what they don't like about it. And then I get the pleasure of working with our IT team to fix it. Like, how cool is that? I get to fix things like nobody gets to fix things. And then everyone, the, the next question I get is, well, like what? And so then I get to go into the projects I've had, things like that. But just off my title alone, nobody knows what I do. Then I explain it and they go, oh, yeah, your title makes sense now. So that sounds pretty yeah, cool. So I, I, I find that saying a job title is almost useless yeah. Um, yeah, for, a lot, for a lot of people. You know, um, you know I, I, help, I help improve customer experiences, you know, with, with products or something. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my job title is vocational rehabilitation career coach. That's a lot of words. <laughs> so, so Mel, when, if you were interviewing for your current job, what would, what did your elevator pitch kind of look like? Oh, it was just that I love connecting with people and I love, I love talking to people and I'm inquisitive. So I want to know, I, I, I'm, I'm very good at connecting with people and getting them to trust me, to be able to tell me what they're actually thinking and feeling. And that's what we need to know to be able to make the changes or to be able to keep doing what we're still doing. That's right. Um, but it's building those connections with people that I'm very strong at um, to get them to buy in and, and give me the information we need. Do we have any raised hands um, in Zoom that may have questions? We have no raised hands. No raised hands. Perfect. Any, anybody else in our audience have a question? Did that even answer your question? <laughs> oh, perfect. So, so Mel, you want to grab the other mic? Um, if it's not turned on, I was told you hold the button down and it'll turn on. Hi, I'm Christina and I'm from Chicago. And um, just listening to you giving um, examples about elevator pitches and what to include, one of the things that was mentioned was um, to make it relevant to the situation that you're in. And so um, since I've been here, I just got in yesterday, but when meeting people, um, they always ask, you know, who am I and, um, and um, where am I from? And so what I've been saying is, um, I'm Christina, I'm from Chicago. I work as a contracting officer um, with the EPA. And um, the reason that, I, um, that that opportunity came about was because I took part in a, um, a program that NIB has with um, the Department of Defense. And so they work with different agencies, such as the Chicago Lighthouse, where I worked. Now I'm getting way too long. 
Um, but anyway, so I mentioned um, about the NIB program, hoping that that would pique people's interest in asking about it because I think it's a great program. And have you have you had any success? I mean, have, has people people seemed interested? What what's been the level of success with uh, you know with, with your so with your pitch, if you will? You know. Um, no one seems to have expressed interest. So maybe they don't know what contracting is. Maybe I need to change my pitch. Because that, that was my reaction. You know, talk, you know, talk a little more, you know, instead of saying I'm a contractor for whatever you said for the EPA, say I, you know, talk about it in, in layman's terms. I'm not sure what a contractor is either. So, yeah, um, so it's actually contracting. So I'm sorry. Okay. Um, contracting. Yeah. Sorry. So I'm a contracting officer. And so what I do is I administer um, multi-million dollar contracts where the EPA um, send, where we respond to um, highly contaminated sites. And so we send people out um, to look at the site and, and determine what needs to be done. And so, um, but that's more on the EPA side. And so I guess contracting in general is administering contracts and so it's kind of hard to describe that because you know some people are like well what are contracts you know but really what it is is if you have a, a background in business then you know contracting is a good opportunity to pursue you know any kind of background in business but basically what it is is administering various contracts and the government does a lot of work with contractors and so, you know, we need someone to administer those contracts, but it's the same on the, the private side too. You know, there are private industries that have big contracts with, you know, different, you know, whether it's a agency, someone needs to administer those contracts. So, so you are essentially um, making sure that the, the work gets done, right? You, you're, you're setting forth the specs, specifications and, or saying, okay, how, you know, uh, How's the work getting done? Is that is that is that right? Yeah. We actually do the whole thing. We solicit so, the contract. Right. So the one I have is a huge one. So it's a seventy million dollar contract. Mm -hmm. So we solicit it. So request for proposal goes out. Um, you know the proposals come in, and we look at the proposals and determine who gets the award. So it's the whole process from awarding the contract. So doing the solicitation, awarding the contract, and then administering it. So what I would encourage you to think about, Christine, and this is just, uh, you know, somebody who is to, to, to you know, use use uh, two syllable words. Solicitation is a big word that most of us, especially if we've had a couple of beers, can't can't quite wrap our hands around or if we're exhausted. So I would encourage you to, um, you know, over time, you make your pitch using, you know, so-called normal English. You know, uh, does that make sense? You know, you're. Um, so that your average person on the street can have a better handle of what, because I, I do the same thing if I'm not careful. I start using these buzzwords. It makes no sense to anybody. So if you can find a way to, to talk in layman's terms or lay people's terms, I, th I think you might have a little more success. Yeah, it's kind of Does hard with contracting. <laughs> it is hard. I it didn't is. say it was, that's why we're having and this session. That's what elevator pictures is so hard. Is this mic working? Okay. Yes. So, so one idea instead of Mr. like manage contracts, um, I think manage is probably a little easier word. So sometimes it's a game of word sleuthing when you're creating your elevator pitch. So, you know, you could take and write down your elevator pitch, then go back through it and think, okay, um, if I'm talking to the average person, are they going to know what this means? Like me saying I was a job developer for six years, that doesn't, to the normal person, they're like, well, you're developing jobs. What does that mean? You know? So, so if I say I was a job developer helping people with a multitude with different disabilities find jobs, that described it, but I still use the words. So sometimes when we do this, we have to try to find that, uh, take those, you know, words out that aren't as common to people. But I, I think your your job sounds really interesting. It is. I think so too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really interesting. Do we have anybody else in the audience or did you have anything else? Yeah. Great. Oh, no. I was just going to say every, maybe we take a eat, volunteer and we each get, give them each about five minutes and then, you know, we can all take turns. We have, so you have a, a question, uh, well, I guess with regard to this, because a lot of times it's funny, people notice that 
um, you know, people w- wonder if I'm a voiceover artist or, or like they'll notice that right away. They're like, are you a singer? And I'm like, yeah, I am. It's funny. You should mention that. And I'll hand out my business card. But I'm wondering if because it seems like, you know, I'll say to people, so I, I'm a voiceover artist. I do commercials. I do audiobook narrate. Uh, yeah, I'm an audiobook narrator. La di da di da. I don't say la di da di da, but, um, you know, I'll <laughs> hand out my business card. And a lot of times I don't, you know, when I give out my business card, then I don't hear from these people again. And I'm like, okay, what do I need to be doing differently that I'm not currently doing? Annie, I'll speak to that first. You know, one thing that I've noticed is, we have to use future-oriented language sometimes. So instead of just giving the business card, we say, when could we find a time to connect? Um, when would work for your schedule to share, to compare notes on what we're both doing? And so finding linking language, using language that links you to that person rather than leaving it solely in their cord and just handing them the card. Right. So what I would say is... Um, I love reading aloud, and lately I've been very passionate about reading audiobooks and bringing the joyful experience of an audiobook to children and young adults. So if you know of an author or if you know of um, an author or publisher that could use a narrator, let's connect. Because, I mean, and I'm also passionate about Braille. And, you know, this... So narrating audiobooks is really the best of both worlds because, you know, I get to you know put my Braille skills uh, and my voice to, to use and, you know, creating a win-win situation for everyone. I know that was way more than 30 seconds. <laughs> so, Annie, um, my, my basic reaction to this um, is we can always get better at what we do in this in this elevator pitch, but most of the time we're not going to connect, right? I mean, to be to be honest – you know, people are busy, they're running around, they, you know, it's hard to make that connection. So the fact that the fact that you're not getting feedback may mean that maybe you're doing a good job, but it's just, it's, it, you know, it takes two to communicate, right? So you may be doing a great job, but the other person, for whatever reason, isn't in a, isn't in a place to hear you right now. Um, the, only, the only thing I would say um is to be sort of careful about using blindness related terms if you're not dealing with blindness people. So using the word braille might might or might not raise the anxiety of the person you're dealing with. Braille, blind? I don't want to, you know, you know, it's just it's it's so ingrained. You know, so just say I'm a voice, a voice or a person. I I I read audiobooks and 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 you know and whatever else you said and leave it at that. You know, depending on the circumstances. You know, keep keeping it short. Um you know, and then and 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 say, and say any questions, or I'm happy to talk to you further. You want to keep them in control of the learning, to, to use a term that I learned from a mentor. I think does that help at all? Yeah, and I guess how do we get around the yeah? So what? What would I want an audiobook narrator for? Well, the answer is maybe they don't need an audiobook narrator right now. <laughs> but that's not yeah. all I do. I understand. And, well, and, I mean, know, I guess. Um, and and I'd say part of this question to me feels like. You know, what's your follow-up afterwards? Because there are times we do that. And so, you know, if you are in the middle of job search, obviously you are when you're looking for that, when you're using these elevator pitches, is, you know, don't be afraid to follow up. You know, you got to do your research, right? If you're going to go into an interview or if you're cold calling on somebody, you know, you need to do your research beforehand. And so you can usually get in contact with them via company website, LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn has become huge for job search activities. And so, you know, if you're able to find some way, then follow up with them. You know, if you went into a place and they had a business card, try to grab it so you can, you know, email them a follow-up about it. Because maybe right at that moment, they're not thinking that way, Annie. Like, oh, but then, you know, then it molds and you're planting a seed that grows. And so it may come back to them. And so you hit that follow-up, and that's just another contact point. Right. And I usually try to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like you're doing a lot of the right things. It's just sometimes we have to throw a lot at the wall and see what sticks, right? So um, continuing to reach out, continuing to maybe offer. Oh, not only if you have any authors, send them my way, but do you know of anyone? And then you can maybe write down those names and go at them that way rather than leaving it fully in their court. But, you know, all of this, it's really just about 
constantly name dropping, networking, trying all these different strategies. Um, and there's not always a black and white thing either. I mean, spe- right. speaking and- for myself, you know, most of the time when I do my thing, nothing happens. You know, it, it's it's the one time out of 10 or 50 or 15 or 60 or whatever the number is, you know, that that makes it work. But often it's just not going to for whatever reason. You know, it, it, but as you, you just have to be persistent, which is really frustrating for me being an introvert. Um, But that's unfortunately the way the system works. It's hard when we're um, looking for a job because, you know, sighted people, people without disabilities, they have to go through multiple interviews before they even get a job. And, you know, we have more challenges. So, you know, sometimes we have to go through even more interviews or put in even more applications. And, you know, it's not nice. It's not great, but that's the way our world is. And so you just have to keep being persistent and keep moving forward. So sounds like you have a awful, an awesome career though. A wonderful career. I was trying to say awesome and wonderful at the same time. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like you have a wonderful career direction though. And a terrific, okay. And okay. A terrific Please, voice too, by the way, uh, as a friends and art person. Yeah. Yes, great voice for it. <laughs> so, so we have. Hey guys, sit- hold hold on one second. We've got someone with a suggestion for Annie. Hi Annie. So when you give out your business cards, do you um, do you mention examples of any work that you've done, like actual titles? Um, well, considering that I am fairly new to the industry, what I what what I do. Um, because I have a commercial demo. I, I've mentioned that, and I talk about my album, A Sacred Collection, and things of that nature. And, and, I, and I never like it meant this to sound like, well, I'm not doing anything or doing any follow-up, because I do. Um, it's, it's just, I know that audiobook narration is something that people wouldn't think about often. And So have you actually narrated a book? Yes. Um, but it's not like officially out there and unaudible, this thing. Yeah, so once you get an actual book that you've narrated, I would highly suggest that you mention that when you're talking to people and tell them, look it up on Audible. Um, The other thing, and this has nothing to do with the elevator pitch, but um, think about um, self-published authors. There are a lot of self-published author Facebook groups. I'm a self-published author myself, so I'm in those groups. So definitely join those groups. You might find work that way. We're, we always, we talk about Audible all the time and having books in Audible format. Great, thank you. And who is this? A couple of comments. Uh, one of them, and I'm an older person, um, but um, a lot of whether your elevator pitch works or not kind of depends on where you live. Because uh, in the area of the country where I live, people look at you and they see that you're blind. I mean, they can tell that, uh, even though you're not trying to show it necessarily. And ignorance reigns supreme. They think all you can do is stand on a street corner and hold a cup, you know, wait for someone to drop coins in it. And they think you don't know how to get around and they think you don't know how to do this. And, and heaven forbid, if you go to the, go to a medical clinic, I mean, we won't even get started on that, but a lot of it, unfortunately, still depends on where you live and where you where you are um and the other my other comment um now granted i have not had a reason to go on the linkedin website uh for a very long time but the the when i have gone had occasion to go on it it was not very accessible and yeah, it's what people use all the time, but it was not very accessible. So uh, we got to do something about that. So I think that has gotten a lot better, the LinkedIn. Uh, I know the last time I was on it, I was able to interact with pretty much everything on it. 
Um, so thankfully it has gotten a lot better with that. And to your first point, I, I certainly understand that. I mean, there's a lot of discrimination and I think we can sometimes be creative with our elevator pitches. They can be in written format. If we're posting something somewhere, um, they can be verbal and, and a lot of it goes into another question of how to disclose disability and how to interact with disability. And I personally come right out and say it, (laughs) but other people have different tactics. So that's a whole different conversation. And I know we've had some community calls about it, but, um, I uh, definitely, to your point, there is something to be considered the culture of what kind of audience you're speaking to, what kind of pitch. So I'm I'm going to react to something that Pam said. I I currently recently moved into one of these senior senior citizens places um, in in Columbia. And, you know, it's 15 floors of people with, uh, you know, so lots of people. And I, I run to lots of people. And, you know, and I have very uh, pleasant conversations with people so about the weather or about sports, about my dog, but I haven't made any effort to tell them anything about my work. Nobody's asked. Uh, and so I think part, part, of the, part of the challenge is, you know, to, to find the right moment, you know, uh, because you're right. Uh, most people, I shouldn't say that, many people see the word blind and have all kinds of assumptions that are really hard to crack in 15 seconds. So I think part of the issue is to find the right time to give the speech and to adapt the speech accordingly. You know, so if somebody says, hey, you know, what do you do during the day? I'll say I tutor University of Missouri student athletes. Oh, really? You know, and, and that will and that will be or um, somebody said, hey, I, I saw you with a pair of drumsticks recently. What, you know, what's that about? Oh, I play in a jazz band. Oh, really? And so, you know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's, but it's really, really frustrating, but it's the only way I know to, to, to change these kinds of things is one, one, uh, range of sand at a time. I have a couple of things. I was going to practice my elevator speech too, but just awesome. uh, for Anna, um, I actually do some freelancing, um, just started dabbling in contracting. Have you looked at Upwork or Fiverr as an optional f- platform for that? Because I know I've seen voiceover actors on those two platforms. I, I think she's currently not yeah. allowed to talk. Okay. So those yeah, are a couple good but resources yeah, Anna, for if, you. you know, Upwork and Fiverr are two really good uh, sites that I've kind of started using for my freelancing stuff. They do take a hefty commission, but it's a good place to at least get started. Um, and I guess to the other point too, I'm a person too, who's just, you know, started out really bitter about the job market. And I still am to a certain extent, because it is just the fact, right, that you're going to go through probably 30 interviews and a sighted person that has the same qualifications, the same, you know, attitudes would probably go through two or three. And there came a point where I kind of had a paradigm shift of that makes me so much more interesting than other people. And, you know, I may, um, I may not have gotten two degrees if I wasn't spending my twenties overcompensating for my blindness. I may not have taken that trip to Germany because, you know, I wanted to prove to my boyfriend that a blind person can go to Germany. Like there are so many things that I've done with my life to overcompensate my blindness, which is kind of its own mental illness in and of itself. But I really think that like, I encourage anyone who's getting discouraged to kind of try and take that paradigm shift and be like, you know what, I am, I'm interesting. I might not make as much as uh, a sighted person that has my exact same skills, but that's not always what it's about. Um, the the challenge. Know, Good. I, I was going to say, um, you know, you look at those 30 interviews as practice. <laughs> you just got more practice. So you're better at interviewing okay. than the sighted people. <laughs> Go ahead, we'll Peter. No, I would, I would, and, and I would say, um, the challenge, of course, is how do you relate those experiences to a specific job interview? So, you know, if you're interviewing for, I don't know what, a customer service rep, how do you connect your experiences in Germany as a blind person to uh, to a customer service rep position? I'm making that, you, you understand what I'm saying? How do you connect that experience to a specific situation? So do you want to, do you want to go ahead and practice the elevator pitch? I guess. I All right. Know. Face. Go for it. I'm going to like stand up because I feel like I'm in the middle of the room. So I'm like talking at the walls. Um, I don't know. What's your name? I'll pretend like I'm talking to you. Hi. Hi, Mel. 
Uh, my name is Janae, and I work uh, as a grants finance specialist at a large university. And basically what I do is I help faculty manage their money so that they can focus more on their research rather than having to, you know, look at a budget and understand, you know, all of the boring stuff that, um, you know, comes with trying to write their policies and their awards. So that's kind of the first part of it is, you know, having customer service, knowing how to present data in a very simple format. And the other part is, you know, going through their transactions and assessing risk. So customer service and risk management, kind of that combined. So going through my transactions, making sure they're not buying anything inappropriate on their grant. If they're buying drugs, making sure that they're for lab use. So, um, <laughs> We do have we do have a lot of that that happens and, uh, you know, make going through their business purpose, making sure the amount kind of makes sense. Um, and so I think the the unique part that that has kind of taught me is that I have a lot of the knowledge for data analytics and I have a lot of the knowledge for customer service and really knowing how to read people. And I think those are two really hard things to come by in one person. Um, so I'm going to give you my card. Uh, what, what what questions do you have, Mel? No, that's yours. I've got six of them in here. Oh, bye. I have none because I do data management. Okay, you need to talk in the mic. I would so say, zoom. though, that it's kind of what Peter, I think it was Peter had said earlier, um, a lot of buzzwords. I know exactly what you meant because I do a lot of that in my job. But 10 years ago, I don't know if I would have understood what that meant. And it was interesting, but it was a lot so like, I'm trying to follow, I'm trying to follow. And then made me laugh, which is fantastic. Cause now I'm going to remember drugs. That's funny. Um, <laughs> and, uh, there's more to you than that. But at some point though, I, I almost got a little lost. Cause I was, there just was a lot, which is great. So I think though, it's just taking it down a notch. And then I, I, I'm so sick of this word, but the layman words, you know, yeah. and, and I think trying to get a little more concise. So to me, it works best writing it all down and then just trying to cut it out, right? Like, so, so to me, a quarter of that needed to go a quarter to a third or something because it was pretty long for an elevator pitch too. Um, but yeah, like think of the- It's just cutting. the nuggets, pick the nuggets. Yeah, pick the nuggets. It sounds very interesting to me too. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and what I would say, uh, I, I agree with much of what was said. Um, the first half was terrific. Um, maybe a, a, few, a few too many buzzwords, but it sort of lost the focus after the second half. So I, something along the lines of I, I help faculty manage grants. I do the financial work for them so they can focus on what, on, on what they do um, might, be, might be enough. Might I will say... To add on my favorite line of the whole thing, and you can tell that all four of us have a little bit of different feedback. So that's where it comes into like, you're going to get different people are going to walk away with different things. But my favorite line was, I have two and these skills of customer service. And, you know, I don't remember what the other one was. Analytics. Yeah. Analytics is all in one person. I mean, that was my favorite buzzword line where I, as a, as a potential employer would be like, oh, wow, one person with these two things, it's a package deal. So I like those, those lines that kind of sell yourself like that. Yeah. I, I, you know, but I think we're all, well, I think what we're all essentially saying is the last of good in there, um, cut out some of the buzzwords and try to shorten it, but you're right. That whole customer service and analytics in, in the same, uh, as the same person, if I'm an employer looking with, with, with that skill set need, that's interesting. And I, and I would also like to say, you know, you cut out the buzzwords, but, you know, if you're in a job interview for that position, you're going to know those people know those buzzwords. So you're going to want to use them in some settings. So a lot right. of times you're going to have a couple different versions of your elevator pitch that you're going to use in different settings. So if you're with hobnobbing with the presidents of the companies, you're going to use those a little more because they, they're going to understand that. Um, if you're at some event and you meet a bunch of, you know, just lower entry level staff for the company will say, you know, you're going to kind of reduce that a little bit and not have all the buzzwords in there. But I, I agree though with what Brooke, especially those skills you talked about, that was really selling yourself and that was really good. 
And again, context, context is really key in these situations. It depends on where you're at. You know, that's what part of what Carrie was saying. You know, if you're at a, at a cocktail party or something and you're dealing with a bunch of people, you might not use the big words, but if you're, as, as you said, with the, you know, with the president of an organization, you might use those big words. If you're with the university, uh, you might use those big words, but if you're with, you know, uh, um, interviewing for a job in the private sector, you might tailor it a little bit. Um, so it, you know, so the trick is to have these points and then be able to adjust on the fly. And that's a challenge all while, while not being nervous, right. All while thinking <laughs> that you have all this under control. You've done this for, you know, for a thousand years, you know, it, it's, it's, it's hard. All right. Who wants to be our next elevator pitch volunteer? Don't know you at all. Go ahead and tell us what you do. <laughs> Hi, I'm Doreen Cornwell and I'm here to talk about accessible prescription labels because we got a really cool initiative going on in Washington and I'm wanting to talk to people about labels in multiple languages, labels in multiple formats, including voice, large print and braille. Talk to me. What is, what is braille? What's accessible? I don't know what that is. Ah, ah, how many people have trouble reading your prescription labels? Um, uh, okay. Um, how many of you know somebody whose first language is not English? Oh then, yeah. Okay. I know what that is. Have you, have you, have you, how have you tried to get medical care in another country and interacted with the labeling in that country? No, that'd That's, be awful. Yeah. And so in, in Washington, there's some zip codes where there's people who speak up to a hundred languages. And even though there's not databases in a hundred languages, there's databases about prescription information in well, one vendor says 21 and the other vendor says 29 languages. And so the goal is to, there's a bunch of pieces to line up about the technology and how to pay for it. And so I, I can tell you as much as you want to know about Washington, um, but I'm also kind of here just to, just to, one of the, one of the, one of the technology vendors we talked to last week said, oh, yeah, no, this would be so much cheaper if you made it national. And my advocacy committee co-chair and I are both leveraging life, life experience working in healthcare or healthcare data. And we go, yep, we know, we know, because it has medication errors are a huge, um, have huge cost and outcome impacts in the healthcare system. And if you can cut way back on some of that by, um, making it easier for people to read their labels and take the right dose and know when their prescription pills have changed. And so now you've got to take two instead of one or one instead of two. Um, we think it could make a big difference. So we're trying to scope the pieces of the project. And my, my advocacy co-chair is way better at the bar thing than I am. So, <laughs> so I, I will say um, I liked when you started kind of saying what it was yeah. that you use the language piece first over the different alternative formats. Yes. Um, because yeah. that's a much bigger, well-known issue. Right. Than the alternative format. Yeah. yeah that's so. one of the really powerful things about what's happened in Washington is that we've teamed up with a group of young students in different healthcare professions, young medical students, young social work students who they're, they're called the health equity circle and their whole focus is continuum of care. And they, we all kind of got um, connected basically through one of the technology vendors because of something that was happening in the legislature. And there's a couple other pieces of the picture that are unique about Washington compared to other states. So we've been learning about what's going on in other states because there's laws about language accents and there's laws about um, blind, no vision, print impaired access. And we're trying to marry them and kind of get some synergy about a lot of different pieces. And now if this is a bar, some of you all have gone, this lady is way too much of a nerd for us. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, thank you all for thank, listening. Thank and you for sharing. That was yeah, great. Thank you. I'm going to yeah. be making a header, uh, Twitter hashtag med label access. So um, okay. come find us. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. I, thank yeah. you so much for letting me do my pitch too. Yeah. Well, and thank you, thank you for being courageous uh, to be brave enough to use a language of, a, of an earlier session to do this. And thank you for all of you for doing this. You know, um, it's not easy to do this in front of people. We hope we've made it safe enough for you to be able to do some of that stuff. 
it's it's not easy. So thank you. What 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 this whole conversation for me um, reminds me of, especially in a place with lots of loud noise and you know uh, whatever, is to try to narrow your focus to you know to one sentence. You know, you're uh, making this up on the fly. Um, you know. It's, and it's not easy to do, obviously, right? Uh, I um, I help people make sure that they um, take their prescriptions accurately by making their by making the labels more readable and more accessible to more people of different backgrounds. That may be a, and that may be a terrible uh, way of of saying it, but that that might be enough to get the conversation started. What you want to do, I think, is get the conversation started. You want to you don't want to give her all the information out in one glob, right? You want to you want to you want to lower you want to separate the glove out into chunks. Your yeah. your your only goal is to it's just it's to spark interest. Yeah, that's what your goal is. We, I we, think. Uh, yeah, it's totally that, and we like we already know like we have to talk differently to legislators. Last week we had a meeting with two vendors and with the head of the pharmacy association, and you know they're all about make it easy. You know, make it easy for us on when we're dispensing and you know, and we were just learning, I was just learning what the different, what those two vendors can do. And then I realized there's a piece where we got to do some focused attention about Braille and make sure the deafblind service center is in the picture and a bunch of other lingo like that. So um, I think that the short summary of what I've, we've gotten so far is that um, foreign languages, um, large print and um, voice are, comparatively easy there's still a big mile and you know there's a different different barriers that happen but because of like insurance and contracting um but doing one piece at a time anyway thank you so much no that's I'm, great thank you for doing thank you for being our guinea pig or one of our guinea pigs yeah, well, thank you all. all right who wants to go next all right so i'm a swap by Landa kumar i am the advocacy outreach specialist for a National nonprofit called the that um, works to improve quality of life for all blind people across the country. And so what I do is I do government affairs work. So I work on our policy side with um, our government affairs director on um, legislation and regu regulatory um, language that um, kind of puts the needs of blind people first. So like transit and um, transit voting and healthcare and all that. Um, I also direct engage with our close partners um, in the split community to sort of um, to um, advance policies that benefit all people with disabilities. So um, the organization that I work for is called the American Council of the Blind, and we are a national nonprofit made for members um, that work to increase quality of life and make um, betterment for, for all of us. So yeah. So I have a question. I have a question. First of all, there, there, I, I love the fact that you said I work for a nonprofit, do essentially doing advocacy work. Is is, is um, um, uh, you know that you didn't name the organization necessarily because that you know unless you know which I don't think depending on your audience is is always necessary and sometimes it might be. Um, I like that a lot. Um, my challenge, and I, I do, I say this for me too, is how can you shorten that so you're less nervous and you and and you you make it more likely that the other you'll draw on the other person if you, if you you know it's the glob thing that I talk about a lot you know how can you shorten that to make it more interesting hi I'm so and so I work for a nonprofit um, making make, making lives easier for people with disabilities okay. is that sufficient I don't know yeah makes sense yeah makes sense and I would like to say too that. You know, this is nerve wracking, right? Here it you're is. brave and you, you step up. So it's just like if you're practicing for a job interview, you know, record yourself and listen back to yourself, have friends help you with it. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah. So, so watching some of the language we do, another bad habit I really have is I fidget with my hands. Mm -hmm. So when I'm in an interview, I always make sure they're under the table so nobody can see what I'm doing. <laughs> So there's just things like that to work on. And, you know, the other thing I just, I know this isn't an interview skills workshop, but I just want people to realize when you are in, in an interview, 
they're just not interviewing you. You are interviewing them to see, do I want to work for this place? And keeping that in mind can really help you be a little less nervous. It's your opportunity to find out more about that company, that work environment to see, do I really want to be here? And so always having questions for at the end. And this is one of those things where practice helps. It, it really, when I had my, before I became a job developer, I had very few job interviews in my life. And I had some really terrible ones. <laughs> and when I walked into the interview for that, it was the first interview I sat there and I was perfectly relaxed. And it went so much better. And that's one of the big things of practicing your elevator pitch, practicing interview skills. You know, it's never going to be totally comfortable. And people who are doing the interview understand that it's uncomfortable for us. But the more we can be, be comfortable in that situation, the, the better it's going to go. And then you can have some more connection yeah. with more free throw, free flowing conversation. I can't even speak. <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing that I would add is um, I liked how you gave examples when you said, I'm trying to make the lives better for blind people, like helping them with transportation or helping them with this and this, like you actually gave a few examples. And the only other thing I'd let yourself kind of slow down a little bit in your head. Cause I think sometimes, and we all do this, trust me. Um, you kind of ran over your words because I could tell you were a little nervous and that happens to all of us. <laughs> so give yourself permission to take your time with this, with the sentences too. Yeah. But, and I'm just going to, something I've said several times before, like you're, the goal is to say as little as possible. I really believe that your goal is to start a conversation. So, uh, you know, hi, I, I, I'm so-and-so and I assist people. I, to help make people's lives, people with disabilities lives a little easier or much easier. And then see if somebody says, oh, really? Oh, yeah. And then you say, yeah, I, we, I do legislative stuff in areas of transportation. You know, you, you, want, you want to carry on a conversation. You want to draw them in. And it's, I find that much, much less nerve wracking to give more control to the, to the, to the listener than having to say everything in, in 45 seconds. Um, you know, I, for me at least, and this is me, the goal is to say as little as possible to draw people's interest in. Because then if they answer, if they begin asking questions, you're answering questions and it becomes a conversation. It doesn't become a pitch anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's what I encourage all of us to think about. How do you find the right balance between making yourself look good and, and, um, and drawing people's interest so that you can carry on a conversation? Because if, you, if they begin answering, asking questions, then you know what their interest is. Then, they, then you can talk more specifically to them, meaning, you know, to meet their interest level. It's easier said than done. But for me, I find that much easier. I'd be interested. Thank you so much for volunteering. I'd be interested if there's anyone either in person or virtually who is currently unemployed, like doesn't even really know where they're headed. If you would be willing to volunteer, kind of sharing what are your skills and and you can pitch yourself, even if you're not actively sure what your employment is yet. All right, Jenna, ready? So you can talk with Peter or myself. Okay. <laughs> so um, services for the blind and the daily living skills, we did elevator pitch and mine was like, Hi, I'm Jenna. I am a low vision cane user. In my left eye, I see see through a paper towel tube with a a blur of plastic wrap. In the right eye, I I. My vision has decreased with with board vision looking through the same paper towel tube Im image. I am studying special education. I work well with children and um am looking to 
be an instructional assistant in the classroom. So great. Yeah. You know, Jenna, I am more, I was more interested in what you do than, I mean, I think you don't have to share unless you feel it's uh, very needed. You don't have to share. Yeah. I, I just like the, the love vision because in the cane part or else they don't notice. Sure. So, you know, I'm a low vision cane user. I I'm studying to be a special education direct uh, teacher. I work really well with children. I'm patient. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, those kinds of things. You, you don't have to do too much detail with vision. Frankly, I mean, other people might have different bit opinions, but that might not be their business. <laughs> what okay. exactly you see, you know, and maybe, I don't know if Mel or Carrie or Peter, if you have anything more to say, but I would say it's not really their business, the details yeah. of what you see. Yeah, the detail for sure. I would say um, the other thing is it, it's it's always a complication. Do we divulge our disability or not? Because we're not by law required to mm-hmm. unless we're seeking accommodations. So, you know, I do in a job interview because I show up and it's obvious I can't fake it <laughs> anymore. <laughs> so um, they know right off the bat. And so I bring it up. It may not be in that first question, though. Uh, you know, depending on what job interview you have, it, it sometimes they give you the list of questions prior to the interview. I usually, personally, I do divulge during an interview, but I, I like what Brooke was saying, less detail, just saying, you know, a low vision cane user, something like that. And also, okay. and, and also you mentioned, um, you know, teaching kids. I think that's a great moment where maybe saying the low vision cane user is maybe having a good example during that interview. Like, you know, tell me, tell me one of your biggest strengths, right? And you could say, you know what? I really relate well to the children and they're always curious about my cane. So it gives me a great teaching opportunity to teach them about. Yeah. Know, and not just outside. kids, but yeah, but also, um, people um in my church congregation um mm-hmm. afterwards they're always interested yeah so it gives you so you know it brings out a strength you can use it hey you can lead with i'm a special education teacher i also have low vision and use a cane and that gives me a good teaching tool so you don't have to lead with a disability and you can link it in as a strength too yeah, yeah. And another uh, interview question that often I find it well to play it into is, you know, tell me about a little difficult situation that you've had at work, you know? And so sometimes, so really like looking at, like you can look up typical interview questions and ideas for answers, but, you know, really kind of if you're in an interview and you know you're going to divulge just to kind of look and see, you know, what stories might I have that's going to work well during the interview because, you know, the elevator pitch is really that first impression. So so they're going to kind of remember a piece of that, and they may remember when you're leaving. Um, so not leading, like Brooke mentioned, is like lead with the special education teaching and then flow into that is a great idea. I, I want to say one thing to add. I agree with everything that was said. And I thought you did a really good job describing your blind situation. And sometimes that's really helpful. I don't think it's helpful right up front, but uh, being able to do that at the right moment can can be a really powerful thing. Um, um, having said that, I, I think everything else that was said beforehand about focusing on your special ed, uh, ed background interest and all that stuff, I think is a, is a good place to start. Any questions before we maybe each, all four of us can say some final takeaways, but any final questions? No, nobody, nobody in live audience. Okay. Well, Melanie, do you want to start us off with any closing remarks, brief closing remarks? Because I know we haven't, you were. I, I went AWOL. <laughs> there you are. <laughs> Hi. Um, I, I probably would just say two, well, two things. And I want to echo, you know, thank you everybody for, for um, being brave because I hate talking in a mic period, um, <laughs> let alone <laughs> practicing something that is not on point in my head yet. Um, I'm super critical, but, um, it will always evolve. And I think as long as you keep putting yourself out there, 
keep putting yourselves in those situations, literally in the elevator or at the restaurant or at the bar or at the doctor's office, just keep putting yourself in those situations and it's just going to become very natural. And that's all you want to be is just natural. I, I really like that um, because that's what us living with our disability is, right? Us living with our sight loss. You know, coming here in this, if you're here in person, this is totally awkward at times. It's totally different. And so putting ourselves out there and you can think of those things and think of those pieces that you have success at because it's going to make it easier the next time. Mm -hmm. And um, keep practicing. And I would say, you know, just remember that when you develop them, you know, have a couple different versions so that you can tailor it. And if you are going into an interview, make sure to tailor it to that company, to that situation. So, and practice, practice, practice. Peter? I would just remind us all um, that I think the purpose of an elevator speech is to um, focus on your strengths and peak while peaking somebody else's curiosity, whoever you're speaking with. And um, I think sometimes we try too hard to give out too much information in too short a period of time. And so, you know, try to come up with a one sentence or two sentence summary of, of who you are uh, in context of the conversation you're having. If you get them curious, because as I said before, once you, once you start a conversation, the elevator pitch is over and you're having a conversation. Um, so the goal is to, to, is, is to pique that person's interest while, 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 while marketing your strengths. Yeah. Thank you everyone for being brave. Again, we're the employment committee. Um, we are, um, I'll give you my email address, but we, we are available on the website. We have that podcast, the ACB website, um, under the committees for the employment task force. Um, we're going to be stepping up our com- our presence on the community calls here coming soon. So you'll see us there. Our podcast is called Let's Get to Work. And it's wherever you get your podcast. And our email, you can reach me at Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E underscore Jostad, J as in Juliet, O, S as in Sierra, T as in Tom, A, D as in Delta at comcast.net and i'm this will be available on recording so if you didn't catch that um but we're available to support you and thank you so much for being brave and joining us